Hey everybody, and welcome to the Fart Fetish Podcast once again. As you know, the podcast is available on almost all major platforms, uh, except Pandora. I don't know if we'll ever hear from them, but I guess we'll continue on without. So I also want to mention the uh, fartfetish.info. It is, as I mentioned in the previous episode, same uh, redirect to uh, proctophilia.org. I just thought fartfetish.info was a little easier to type. You know, proctophilia is not the easiest word to spell. It's not the easiest word to say even. But fartfetish.info will be what I generally say going forward. So fartfetish.info, and uh, as you recall from the last episode, we talked to Dill, and uh, his brief history of the fart community is on there in PDF format in the resources page. Um, and I also linked to a 2013 writing by a fetishist explaining his origins and, and what the fetish looks like for him. I thought that was an interesting uh, account, so you can go check that out. Uh, Proctophilia is still on FetLife. I'm not seeing much response there. Um, But maybe more likely is we have the Discord group. As I mentioned in the previous episode, uh, it is invite only. You can request an invite on fartfetish.info on the podcast page. Uh, There's a link to uh, email me and just email me. Let me know you're interested uh, and and a real person. And I uh, I will get you an invite to that group. Dill had mentioned to me that perhaps it'd be interesting to look at the demographics so far of the show so i will do that let's see so i'm here on podbean and uh, the majority of the uh, uh audience is coming from the united states in the last what i it with the show's only been on six months now but uh i went back a whole year so we can see the whole um timeline and the majority is in the united states a distant second is the united kingdom Uh, followed by Canada, Germany, and Australia rounding out the top five. I don't know if that's an indication of anything, uh, just maybe an indication of my reach and the limits of my reach. I'm not sure, Uh, but definitely uh, help the the podcast get out to more people, um, especially if you're in uh, other countries. There is definitely a slant toward English-speaking countries just because this podcast is in English. I don't have the capacity to um, offer the podcast in any other language. Um, but I'm I, glad to see we are getting uh, a diverse um, group, even if it's, if it's heavily um, majority-based in the United States. Not much different looking at the Google Analytics. You got uh, the majority coming from the United States here, uh, second runner-up being uh, United Kingdom, and then China for some reason uh, following that. I'm not sure. But you got China in there as well, uh, Canada, Germany, Ireland, and France rounding up. What is the top six? Six or seven? Seven. I'm unfortunately unsure about the breakdown uh, in listenership between the gay and straight sides of the community. I would generally lean towards saying that the uh, gay and bi side is driving leader, uh, listenership, uh, just given the response and engagement to social posts. Um, which have been, you know, clearly much warmer um, from the, from the gay and bi community. Um, really, really, the only existent response, actually, uh, I I haven't seen too many uh, straight fart fetish fans speak 
openly in their in their praise or or anything towards this uh, praise or or you know uh, questioning towards this podcast it's it's usually done in secret or within our communities like uh, like on gassy erotica for instance but yeah that's the demographics i have uh if i have more or if it spikes in some way or goes crazy maybe maybe there's a upset in which country is the is the top listener you know we can have a we can have a contest. No, I'm kidding, but uh, yeah, um, I will I will keep you abreast of the demographic uh, changes if there are any. Uh, this episode, I wanted to spend mostly talking about uh, some of the podcasts I listened to that uh, talked about this fetish. Um, I remember Damien had mentioned really enjoying the uh, How He Does Stuff podcast with uh, with the. Um, with the farts, farts in jars, uh, woman Stephanie Motto. Um, so I, that's where I started, and I also listened to the other people's lives and a couple other ones. But how he does stuff and uh, th- that episode and the other people's lives are the two I think are probably the best um, examples of how to uh, engage with this topic respectfully. Um, because I think both How He Does Stuff and, and the Other People's Lives podcast did very well in how they did it. So I'd check out both How He Does Stuff and the Other People's Lives podcast. Um, I, I thought the the uh, Other People's Live podcast with the fetishist was a little more interesting just because, you know, it's, it's an actual fetishist, not someone um, catering or selling to the fetished. I'd say the biggest takeaway um, is what the, uh, the, the fetishist interviewee said at the end. Um, about meeting and surrounding yourself with the right kind of people, feeling comfortable in yourself and your group, and then don't be afraid to cross that line and ask for something. You will find your person and group through the confidence of stepping forward and asking for what you want. This is something I've said about building comfort with someone and then tactfully, seriously sharing this part of yourself with them. If you don't and you just keep harboring it, it really can only continue to eat away at you. I mean, if you don't think about it, if you don't you know, need this fetish aspect, you have other interests, other aspects that you know, are, are being fulfilled for you and that's, that's more than enough for you, that's awesome. But if you do want a relationship with someone and you want to share this fetish with them or you need to, then I think this is the way to do it. Finding the right people, people you're, you're comfortable around, people you feel comfortable enough to share with. This is the only way to progress. Be yourself. Be comfortable in yourself. Try to eliminate shame. I don't think there's any other way forward. In a similar vein, the biggest takeaway from Stephanie Motto is the uh, is that she believes some men engage in the fetish because they want the full girlfriend experience. They want that feeling of intimacy with a woman, and few things come closer than a woman farting in front of you. In fact, some of it breaks a boundary, which is what Howie and Jacqueline also mention about how it is important to destigmatize farting in general. So it's not something that could potentially end relationships, since it is just a natural bodily function and everyone farts. Stephanie Motto did relay a story um, she had uh, been told about a, uh, a, rela- uh, a, 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 a relationship that had ended because, uh, because the female had farted, um, if I'm remembering that story correctly. But it is something to that vein. Uh, I also listened to the ETC podcast or etc. podcast uh, number 
249. Uh, but I didn't link it um, because I think this is a bad example of covering our fetish. Even though it's titled Explaining His Fart Fetish, uh, that's the title of the podcast, the hosts barely talk about fart fetish for maybe two to three minutes out of a 30-minute show. And when they are talking about it, they show no respect towards it. The negative example that I did link is the Clickbait podcast, which is basically just two guys giggling about fart news stories or articles from the internet. That seems to be their brand. They're just reading and reacting to things. They do no research. They make funny comments. It's even in their intro that they do no research. It, it Really, that show is more just about them cracking jokes every minute than any actual coverage of anything at all, including this fetish, which they didn't cover. They didn't give you any new information, and they showed no respect to it. As I said, I'd only recommend listening to this if you want to hear two uninformed and disrespectful guys making jokes about fart fetish for about 40 minutes. They even use terms like twat, freaks, weirdos at points to describe fart fetishists. There's very use, there's very little useful information here, and, and none of it comes from the host commentary. The hosts don't even need to be there, basically. You'd get more information if they weren't there. Clickbait spends the entire length putting down fetishes and laughing at them. This is the most bad faith coverage of the fart fetish from the examples that I've heard. So it's a comparison to how to do it right and how to do it wrong. You know, I applaud the Other People's Lives podcast for actually approaching both aproctophilia and actually corporophilia with respect, even though they didn't understand either of the fetishes. The curiosity was genuine and their respect for their guest was very clear. And I've linked, of course, OPL's podcast um, for the fart fetish and the female poop fetishist, which is also a really good interview. I would check that out, fartfetish.info on the resources page. Uh, some key points from that interview, uh, from the uh, interview with the uh, uh, corporal, corporal philist, uh the female female poop fetishist, is that she feels like she was born with it. It's likely her, her assessment. Uh, the taboo element is seemingly her most attractive part of the fetish to her. And as she said, paraphrasing, the best advice is to accept it and embrace it. Understand that having a fetish doesn't make you any lesser of a person, and you need to reach a place where you can believe that reality for yourself so you can grow. Also, talking about is important, and showing fetishists having normal conversations brings in more people outside this fetish to try to want to understand it. I, in fact, saw a tweet yesterday, yesterday, day before yesterday, doesn't matter, but there was a tweet of a, I guess, a person who uh, recorded farts for someone by request, but then tweeted like, you know, no hate, but what is this fart fetish thing? Can someone explain it to me? And someone actually linked, Adil actually linked the, uh, the, um, the website and the podcast. So people are willing to come in good faith to this discussion. And I think that's very important. You know, you, we need to find supportive groups and partners and then share ourselves. And then this slowly will expand the understanding of people who have this fetish and people who are willing to understand this fetish. You know, people who in good faith are not just going to turn 
a knowledge of a fart fetish into a butt of a joke. Because as we know, as we see from these comedians who are now running out of their time, like comedy changes, the audience changes. It used to be okay for white guys to get up on stage and do an Indian accent. Oh, hello, I work at 7-Eleven. You know, why, why did they do that? Because Indians were not in the audience in heavy numbers. Indians were not there to say, hey, this isn't funny. We don't like this. What the fuck is this? Yeah, a lot of us work at 7-Eleven, but what the fuck do you think you're doing commenting on that with no, with no intelligence, no real social commentary about it? You're just doing a funny accent and, and everybody's laughing at you because they're equally as ignorant. They haven't seen an Indian guy. They haven't met an Indian guy. They don't know their family. They don't know how hard they worked. So the more people know a fetishist, the more people know about fart fetish and can come to this conversation with good faith, the better our fetish is for all of us. Unfortunately, I do feel like the guest in this, not to, not to you know, get off my soapbox, but I do feel like the guest in this interview, the, the poop fetishist, um, while she said she didn't kink shame, uh, I feel like she kind of otherized the more extreme sect of her own, you know, scat fetish, which I, I, you know, I think is a little contradictory, at least in, in the way she talked about it. Maybe she misspoke. Um, but I think this is something we all need to be more aware of as I was, you know, apologizing for how I spoke of, of crush fetish, um, my visceral reaction to reading about, uh, crush fetish. You know, this is, this is something I saw on, on a streamer I like, Vosh. And I don't watch streamers. I usually watch the YouTube replays of this stuff. But from my perspective, Vosh is not immersed in the kink community um, that I know of. But to hear him say, uh, and I quote, all Vor is disgusting, categorically disgusting, was I think a misstep. That may be his opinion towards Vor, but I really think we should all take great care to speak about things, if not positively, then at least with careful precision. Our words matter, and our words are basically being recorded all the time. If you tweet it, if you say it in a podcast, it's forever. So we need to be very careful about how we speak and how we say things and make sure that opinion is the opinion we want to get out there. I think all vor is disgusting, categorically disgusting, is not, a, is not an appropriate opinion. What, what did vor do to deserve such a harsh, odious opinion? It can be disgusting to you. And you can say that. Vor is disgusting to me. But don't say vor is categorically disgusting. Say precisely what you mean in your heart, as if you were speaking to the affected group, as if you're speaking to who you're talking about, and only say that. Would you tell a vor person, hey, I think your fetish is fucking disgusting. You gonna say that? Then you're a shitty person if you would. Getting back to the topic at hand, I also listened and linked the Two Hot Takes podcast, which the host... Uh, actually discuss a fiancé that kept his fart fetish from his partner until after he proposed. I, I thought this was actually very fair and balanced commentary from the two hosts here. 
respect given to all parties involved. And in fact, they both said they would give this person, this fart fetishist, a second chance. And that even despite him being a little unfairly coy about his fetish and waiting until he had a sense of ownership on his fiance before feeling comfortable enough to bring it up, not great. But these two hosts don't seem to think it was that big a deal. They seem to understand his hesitation in wanting to share that part of him. And look, there's no guarantee that these women would react that way if they were indeed in this situation. However, their reaction does give me hope that people can indeed share these fetishes with their partners and should. If that relationship is strong, if people are being honest and vulnerable, emotional with each other, then they should be able to at least hear their partner out respectfully. One of the hosts even talks about farting in retaliation to her boyfriend's constant farting around her. So maybe that's worth listening to as well. Check it out. It is linked fartfetish.info. There's a few more podcasts I need to check out. They're on my list to listen to and make notes about. Uh, But check out the ones that are linked on fartfetish.info now and tell me what you think. Let me know if you have any views that are are, uh, differing from mine. Um, I'd love to hear it. On FetLife, I actually got a message from somebody who asked, I'd love to know what you like about this fetish and how it normally plays out for you. Now, I wrote... For me, I think it's the degradation aspect that I like the most. I like the idea of being tortured and tormented by farting. The idea of farting and torment are inseparable for me. I guess I see it as a total loss of agency in that you're subject to be someone's seat and made to endure farts as a consequence of being a seat without any regard paid to your suffering. Why I like that, I'm not sure, but I've liked cruel farting since childhood. I recall fantasies I had from back then. As I think I've talked about on this podcast, it's only really played out for me with paid prodom and my ex-girlfriend when we were making uh, fart videos together, you know, her humoring my desires for farting and film production. In response, the, the person said, I'm glad you found individuals willing to play with you. Is it hard to find local people? And I guess it's not something that you can play online. I'd say it's difficult, I respond. I'd say it's difficult. I'm also introverted, so it's a little harder since I'm not super comfortable approaching people. I've gone to kink parties and events for a while, and most people don't know what the fetish is and don't really want to or can't engage even in a conversation with it or even just face-sitting. I think when you say things like you're a fan of face-sitting, people just assume you're a pervert because it's seen as a kind of overly sexual act. But that's not really the approach I have to the fetish uh, as, as, you know, being that sexual. But that's not, that's, you know, perception is what it is. And that's why this podcast exists, to try to change and improve perceptions of fart fetishists so we're not just seen as weird guys who post desperate personals repeatedly on FET that no one will ever respond to. Or other, the other opinion that we always want to elevate to scat play, which seems to be something, you know, that's, that's thought about us, you know, according to that last episode where I talked about um, the experience talking to that male dom. I continue, I've seen a few online experiences. I don't know if that would excite me in the moment, maybe rewatching after the fact, 
But there are some people in VR doing this kind of play. I'm not really in VR currently. I, I love tech and video games, but VR is a bit beyond my enjoyment or, or how I feel like I should be spending my time. It's very possible, though, that this is where many fart fetishes will get their fix and interaction in the near future. I, I see it as very possible. This fetish can be difficult to relate to people in real life or too specific to rely on locals. So an online sect of people willing to role play this kind of kink will likely grow. I'm not saying that there can't be a in-person IRL community, but I think also the just fervor of online activity will lead to a growing sect of online fart fetish role players in the VR space. I think it maybe maybe it already exists even. I mean, there's definitely uh, a number of videos on this vid uh, showing like VR um, fart engagements. So I think that can only increase if nothing, if for nothing else than the business opportunity, um, the business exploitation, if you will. So another post on FetLife was uh, this. It's just guys and sex workers. Why even try anymore? Nothing against sex workers, but it's discouraging to feel like that's the only way to find a girl in this fetish. This is something I responded to. And I said, I think it's just the fact of the demographics. Straight male fart fetishists like female farts, but the men outnumber any potential women, if any, by many magnitudes over. Any unicorn woman who did like farting, it makes complete and total sense she'd monetize this because the demand is unquenchable. I think this speaks to the presumption that there probably aren't many genuine female fart fetishists. There could be some, but the results are looking to pan out towards the numbers being quite limited. I think we need to come together better as a community. The M4M, male for male, fart fans seem to have some semblance of community, but M4Fs, men for females, don't really want to talk to each other. Maybe it's homophobia, maybe it's other things, but all men, all people need community. We need support from people who understand us. So instead of begging the unicorn female farter to appear and sweep you away from FetLife, I think we should focus on connecting together, building a sense of community within this fetish. Maybe even eventually plan fetish-focused parties at local dungeons. But the first step is being open to discussing it more freely. And that's Discussing it with people who don't have the fetish. Discussing with people who have the fetish is great too. More M for Fs need to do that. But expanding it to people who don't have the fetish is also important. I'm not really sure this fetish can pick up steam. But it has no chance to if we all remain silent. And that's why I started the Fart Fetish Podcast. I wanted to control the conversation around this fetish. Not just me, but I, a fetishist, wanted to have a say about it. Have it discussed by actual fetishists rather than opportunistic podcasters or article writers. 
In these six episodes I've done since the beginning of 2022, the sense of community between fetishists, I think, is vastly more important than the perceptions coming from outside, which is also important. But our community together is what's going to improve the perceptions. We have to, I hate to quote Jordan Peterson, but we might need to clean our room on this one first. In which case, the room is the community of fart fetishists. We need to get together. And then we can work together to improve perception. And I ended with, if we can't support each other collectively, no one will support us individually. You know, engagement doesn't have to be hard. You know, make a comment, discuss, share the podcast, share the website, share an article, talk to your fellow fetishists about something that isn't porn related. I've had three guests on. I'm more than happy to have as many guests. I could have a guest every day if people would like to come on because this is important. Me sitting in a room reading off my script to tell you what I thought about some podcasts is fine, but we need to do more. And we do that by coming together and supporting each other, talking to each other, sharing ideas, thinking a little bit outside of our dicks. Use your brains instead. Think about, you know, why do I like this? Where did it come from? Really do some deep searching. And let's talk. Let's talk about how we can improve people's perceptions. Let's strategize of how we can talk to women about how we like this. What's a way that worked for you in talking to women? What's a way to bring this up? Because the longer we live online, the harder it's going to be to go out there. And take it from me, I'm one that is super afraid of talking to people, getting hurt, being disappointed. It hurts. But I understand that if I want it to improve, I have to do more. And if we want this fetish to improve, we all have to do more. So this came from somebody I've been having a back and forth with on FetLife. Uh, and they asked, how important would the fetish aspect be in a relationship for you? And do you feel like your relationship prospects are limited because of this fetish? And I responded, the fetish is pretty important to me, but I'm also just kind of happier single. So I'm really wanting for someone who truly feels like a match for me, not just the fetish. I don't do casual sex or hookups. I've only had one or two girlfriends over my life, and both of them I was able to at least talk about the fetish with. I'm not going to live with someone or build a relationship with someone who couldn't understand me. doesn't make sense. They don't need to do the fetish, but they need to understand that I make content. I might watch fart porn. And these are things that are important to me. Someone who understands my work and background, fetish or not, is the type of person I'm looking for. Ambitious, smart, no walls or social masks. I want the true core of a person, their humanity, just as I'd give it to them. In an ideal world, I'd connect with someone who wanted to make content too, but I may have already had that part of my life. 
it may be too much for me to expect in life for that to come again. I'm also an introvert and not too eager to strike up conversations at the bar, so I've kind of accepted that I'm actively making it harder for myself, and for the time being, I'm kind of okay with that. I have my ambitions, my passions. That's where I want most of my focus to be. If someone vibed with that, or they had their own thing, that might be a partner, but it's not something I'm actively prowling for. I've had the stupid arrogance to think that maybe someone will like me for me, you know, pick me out of a crowd, but it's probably a stupid delusion in a world where men just grind up to a girl at a bar, and that's kind of the accepted social norms. I think that also comes from being a submissive, in my opinion. How do you pretend to be a, hey baby, type guy, and then not have any of those vibes inside you? You want them to dominate you. You want them to take charge, but society isn't built that way right now, and women have their pick of the litter. Too many picks, in fact. There's no time for a quiet guy standing on the wall. The real question is where to go to meet people on, real, on a real level. You know, make real friendships. Where's that space? Is it meetup groups? Like, go join a photography club or a bird-watching group? I mean, obviously, you should like those things. You should go to a meetup group for things that you enjoy. But I don't know where else you find real people. It's not at a bar. I don't think you find real people at a bar. Maybe that's my introvert nerd uh, perspective on it. You know, like, ah, these fucking jocks, you know? But I don't know. Where do you find real people? When you're 30, outside of school, when you're 35 years old, where the fuck do you go to find people on a real level? without egos and masks and just all the social pressures that exist in a place like a bar or a club or whatever. Reading club, maybe. Maybe you should go to a reading club, book club. Somebody asked me uh, this question. Tell me more about this dungeon business. I've never been involved in that scene of kink stuff. I'd love to, but I'm a bit nervous to make that leap. And I responded, I think the easiest analogy is a strip club for kink, but it's one-on-one. You can walk in, you can make an appointment, um, you can see a dom or male dom even, uh, female submissive, whatever. And you tell them about the scene you want. Obviously for farting, especially, you know, from experience, an appointment is better so that the person can prepare. But that's basically it. It's a brief chat. If it's your first time, you plan the scene and how many hours you want to go, and then you go do it. I don't think there's, I don't think there can be any sex involved unless maybe it's like using a dildo or something. Uh, I don't know. I don't partake in anything but farting and domination. But there's a clear delineation between going to a, a pro dom and seeing a prostitute, similar to the line between stripper and prostitute, although. You know, some strippers may also be prostitutes or may also offer prostitution services, but that's that's entirely outside the scope of the dungeon. The dungeon is for kink. It's not for sex. That's that's the basic idea. I talk a bit about my last experience at a pro dom on the Rocket Review podcast, uh, but a quick summary is basically I probably wouldn't go back until or unless I was in more control of the scene. 
like a content producer rather than deferring to the pro dom to fully understand and deliver the exact nuance of what I want. So basically I didn't feel like I got, like I made a fairly specific request and I still feel like it was lacking in terms of of domination, lack of autonomy, these, these ideas. I didn't feel like I was truly a victim in that scene. Um, and you know, no, no, just, just, you know, that's not the Dom's fault. I guess I could have been even more clear, but I think the best option for me would just to not go back, um, and spend that kind of money. It's like fucking, I forget. It was like two hours or three hours, like $800, not cheap at all by any sense, but it can be an experience worth going. I think I've gone like three or four times total. So it can be worth doing, but it is not cheap. But the point is, um, for my experience, I, I just want more control. You know, I'm not saying I want to control the Dom, but it's a lot of money to pay to not get um, as close to exactly what you want as possible. And when I feel like my content has more value than going out and experiencing it with a pro Dom, I, I think that's a problem in my mind. As I mentioned, if you're a dominant, they also have subs and switches on staff at these dungeons usually at least the place I know in, in Los Angeles does. Uh, but I don't know if they'd engage in fart play as much as a dominant might be uh, as the giver. Total speculation, but seems plausible that people wouldn't want to be... The, the staff, submissives, or switches probably don't want to be farted on. Seemingly. This is a guess. This is just a guess. The dungeons out out here in Los Angeles will often host parties, public and members-only parties, with various themes, you know, party for newbies, a party for rope fans. Anyone can attend, but those are the themes, the ideas driving those parties. You know, I'd love to see one for fart fetishes someday. I don't even know if we could be allowed to do that, though. I think face-sitting is considered breath play, which is considered too risky for these parties. Public parties often ban mouth-to-genital and genital-to-genital contact, but member par- members' parties sometimes do not. The dungeon is unfortunately pretty clicky at parties, um, and being a fart fetish fan, a face-sitting fan, really gains you no friends and, honestly, blank stares. As I mentioned on the podcast with Dill, you know, one male dominant uh, told uh, his feelings about the fart fetish in his experience is that it's used as a foot in the door to scat play from his perspective. So we kind of have this poor perception based on his experiences, which is unfortunate, but obviously both sides are valid. You know, the, the ones who feel too embarrassed to talk about scat and feel they need to hide it until the last moment or until they feel like they've trapped someone and those hesitant to be pushed in that direction. You know, obviously the the pushers are in the wrong, but it's society that, as they said on the Too Hot Takes podcast, society sometimes makes it in a way that you don't feel like you can share this intimate part of yourself without being completely ostracized and the the fiance's fear being dumped. My fiance is not going to love me anymore because I have a fart fetish. I better get her on lock so I can now reveal myself. It's a terrible world for all parties involved. 
Just a quick note on the origin basics so far that seem to be the um, three likely, most likely origins for the uh, for people to obtain a fart fetish or get a fart fetish. Um, obviously, there's probably variations, but the three main themes seem to be taboo, which is maybe taboo farting in the household, um, as, as we kind of talked about with Damien, uh, more like free farting, whereas uh, you know the household embraced or or did not shy around farting. I guess that's more Damien's situation and my own, in fact. But the taboo element has been mentioned by people who, um, yeah, there is no talk about farting. They don't fart in their family. They don't, you know, all this. It it the farting has taken on a um, supernatural power because it has been banished, in other words, by being taboo. And then, as I said, the free farting, which is, you know, household either embraced or wasn't shy around farting. And the third is discovered through pornography. Uh, People like Xander, who uh, were kind of left to their own devices to figure out their um, sexual development and found uh, fart porn as part of that uh, research, part of that growth. Um, and then it, you know, develops further pr- from that, or it's already inborn, and then it's just ignited by seeing the porn. I'm not sure; hard to say, but something definitely to think about. Let me know your thoughts, please. Do I'd love to hear from you. You know, I don't know how it started for me. Uh, I don't know if I said this already or not, um, but I was masturbating to cruel fart fantasy stories since uh, probably nine, since at least the age of nine, and I think. Uh, I've mentioned the GoldenEye fantasy already um, in a past episode, but one fantasy I think I haven't mentioned or mentioned just to specific people was uh, actually a, I guess you could say a homosexual fantasy, uh, prepubescent fantasy, I guess would be more accurate. Um, But it was the fantasy of male giants bursting through the walls of my uh, my kindergarten class or whatever, whatever class, first grade class. And, you know, they bust their asses through um, the, the, you know, the front, the, the chalkboard or the whiteboard, and there's an ass there, and now it starts farting, and all the kids, they're starting to run, and then another ass comes, uh, you know, as they're trying to exit, and another ass, and another ass, all four sides are surrounded by uh, these giant male asses, and they're all just farting and blowing, um, uh, you know, gas all throughout the room, you know, my teacher gets sucked up into one of the asses, and now she has to uh, uh, smell all the pre-farted farts in this little cavern of, of the anus or whatever. I, you know, obviously I didn't know biology or, or, or anatomy at the time. So, you know, teacher just gets sucked up and now is living in a little uh, anus cavity where she, she has to endure the, the farts before they're blasted out. And yeah, that was, that was kind of the prepubescent fantasy. And then, you know, as puberty came along, uh, my fantasy started moving towards farting women. Um, one example I remember was a uh, Tom Clancy novel I was reading uh, during reading time, and the uh, I think uh, you know the guy's waiting in his car, um, maybe the windows cracked, and I imagine like a female um, uh, you know sexy spy or whatever sexy uh, agent uh, puts her ass through the window and just farts, and maybe then you know you got the dramatic all the doors lock and he can't get out scene, and she just keeps farting through the door, and you know you get the point. But that's that's all I know. That's I know it started early for me 
as far as origin. I just don't know for sure where. My best guess is the free farting example. The household didn't shy um, around farting in the toilet and the bathroom and all this stuff. So somehow it became or again triggered a fetish maybe the maybe the fetish is is inborn it's in the dna or or some other part some synapse um and then it's triggered it's it's activated by the seeing the porn by the seeing your family members farting you know by these aspects interesting question would love to know somebody's thoughts if they have uh further information on whether they think fetishes are inborn or if they're uh part of what the nature versus nurture debate you know in terms of fetishes i was having a conversation with someone on fetlife who talked about viewing farting from a, <clears throat> a male bonding perspective and utilizing and enjoying farts in that headspace. It was very interesting to me. Uh, I, I touched on it a little bit with Dill, uh, but let me see what my notes say here. He mentioned being turned on by the idea of farting on people as he has done in the past, but not necessarily looking to share the fetish with anyone as a sexual thing. So basically the idea is like enjoying the male bonding experience of two men farting together but because it's a turn-on one could presume the fart enjoyer may recall that scenario when looking to pleasure themselves later it's interesting because there's a non-sexual element to farts right but it's not exclusively non-sexual for those who find it a turn-on one question is, is that exploitive to use farts in that way to, you know, have this male camaraderie and then go masturbate to that idea later? Probably not, because if so, I think men are doing that all the time, too, when they, you know, engage with a woman they might really like and then go, you know, think about her, in, you know, when they're jerking off later. Uh, I imagine it's the same situation here when two guys are kind of male bonding, one of them farts, the other one has a fart fetish and is like, oh, I might think about that later. Seems, seems natural. It's interesting, though, to have this almost exploitive nature to the fetish where you want to, uh, he had mentioned farting on like guys' hands in the football huddle. So American football, I'm guessing, you know, guys waiting for the hike and, you know, just farting out on his hands Um, and all the guys laugh and enjoy it. But for him, the farter in that case is sexual. He enjoyed that more than probably anyone else there with their humor and laughing. He's going to possibly go home and jerk off to that. It's interesting. It's just an interesting um, maybe dichotomy where it's almost used exploitively to as an aphrodisiac for yourself, you know, because you're not engaging a man to go, you know, you farted on his hands and now let's go have sex in the locker room. No, you're just farting on his hands because you enjoy it. The other men think it's funny. But you get a little more out of that. You get a little more out of that engagement than the other men laughing. Again, something to think about. Uh, anyone in the gay and bi community, please feel free to, uh, and anyone, but any, you know, definitely the gay and bi community, let me know what you're thinking on that um, topic, if anything. Uh, I was talking 
uh, in a in a, a Telegram group about uh, we're asking, I guess, taboo and intimacy. Are they the same thing? You know, an element of taboo is an intimate detail. I think you could argue that. But something that might be an intimate detail might not necessarily be an appealing taboo, like maybe a, a dark secret about a person. So if that's true, does that mean that taboos touch on intimate details of a person? Or is there more to taboos than that? Taboos are like things society doesn't approve of or want to discuss. So farting, shitting, these are examples of social taboos, even though we do these activities regularly. So to have an attraction towards the taboo of farting, for example, does that necessarily mean then that the attraction is towards this intimate detail that society happens to say that we cannot know about? So imagine a world where farting and shitting aren't taboo. Maybe, maybe there's two toilets in every bathroom because it's common to, to share a shit with your partner. It's tradition. We don't, we don't fight against tradition here. If that were the world, could you develop a taboo arousal for shitting? Or would the taboo actually be shitting alone in private, like you're some kind of secret pooper? What are you hiding, secret pooper? I guess that would be an inclination towards using the bathroom in peace and solitude and the fact that it was illegal in this example, but desirable could make it appealing even in a sexual way. And maybe connected, maybe separate, is intimacy the same as camaraderie and bonding? Something to think about. Please let me know your thoughts. Anywhere you can get in touch with me, uh, please do and let me know what you think. Maybe I'll talk about it here on the podcast. I had a fetish conversation. I had another conversation about uh, the fetish and sexual frustration. Uh, This person writes, I think fart fetish leads to sexual frustration. I've read briefly about unhealthy and healthy sexuality. And for me personally, I recognize fart fetish as well as my other fetishes as unhealthy sexuality. On a greedy level, I would like to shift my sexuality to something that causes less less sexual frustration and more happiness slash pleasure. And I responded, this is probably true. If your goals are less sexual frustration leading to more happiness, then yes. Don't fuck with a fart fetish if you have a choice. If you think your fetish is preventing happiness, then I think you might have a larger block to happiness than your fetish. If getting laid equals happiness to you, then don't be a fart fetishist if you can help it. This seems pretty clear to me. Maybe a little harsh, but I think it's true. Maybe I'm wrong. Please let me know. Their response. I'm confused. Is a fart fetish not about sexual desire for farts? What is the meaning of your interest in farts, if I may ask? My response. I would say it's a sexual interest in farts, but my pleasure is fully quenched by masturbation. I have no need for intercourse with or without farts. My desire for a partner, while minimum currently, has nothing to do with wanting sex because I just don't care about sex. I have no desire for it. If you don't know, if I've never said on this podcast, I do identify as asexual. 
I do want a partner. I'd love to have, you know, a relationship and someone, you know, to care and love about me, to give a shit about the things I'm doing in my life. But I just don't need sex. I don't really want it even. I continue. I consume fart content and I enjoy myself to it. I've gone to Prodom and experienced farting there too, but I don't see the fetish and sex to be inherently connected. I imagine someone who'd want to have sex with me would not likely want to do the fetish with me. The odds are poor that they will like both things. Since I don't care about the sex, I forego the someone to have sex with aspect and I embrace the fetish. Many people go to dungeon parties and engage in pickup play with strangers. You know, play like rope, impact play, etc. These strangers do not engage in kink and then have sex with each other. It's not allowed in public parties generally, and that's not what the parties are even for. So fetish slash kink and sex can be entirely two different things. People may masturbate to the thoughts of their play later, but the act itself is not about having or working up to sex necessarily. With couples, kink and fetish play may lead to sex, but that's not the only way to do kink. We're coming out to the end here. I do want to leave with a thought experiment, perhaps. I saw a post um, seeking a woman to vomit in a guy's face. And I wonder, how does one get a vomit fetish? Piss, shit, and farts all are done on a daily basis by everyone. So a fetish association there seems plausible. Here we all are. But how with vomit? If anyone has a vomit fetish, I, I'd be interested to know. Just a thought I had. Please let me know your thoughts. And finally, there was a post on FetLife. Maybe this will give you some encouragement. I hope it will. And it reads, I remember I dated this girl for a while and told her about my fetishes. She was surprisingly cool with them. We would play Minecraft for hours with each other, and each time she had to fart, she would say, here comes one, and put her bodacious butt in the air. I'd put my mouth around hungrily and suck everything that came out. And that's all it takes. Sometimes you just have to share this bit of yourself. If you don't ask, you can't get it. And that's just the fact. That's going to do it for this episode of the Fart Fetish Podcast. Don't forget, fartfetish.info. We got all the fart fetish info you would need. The podcast is linked there. We got resources there, including other podcasts about fart fetish that have covered fart fetish. And we'll see you over there. Join the Discord if you're so uh, engaged and interested in having the conversation, elevating the conversation, adding more to the discussion. Please do so. Help us do more. Let's get fart fetishists a much better perspective in this world, in kink, even amongst just ourselves. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time.